Oh, good. We're here. Well, today, as Alex said, we're going to be concluding the series that Randy started several weeks ago on Boy Meets Girl. And uh, while I'm glad to be speaking this morning, I'm sad because of the circumstance that brought it. But I'm also glad that I didn't have to speak a couple weeks ago. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, on how to understand women, as I think that Randy did a far better job than uh, I would even, even attempt to do. But today, as we sum it up, we sum it up in such a way that it really makes sense. We start with boy and girl, and then we talk a little bit about relationships. And today we're going to be talking about marriage. Uh, the title of the message is More than a piece of paper, and the idea behind the message today is marriage shouldn't be entered into lightly. Marriage is a covenant not only between a man and a woman, but between that couple and God. And we've got uh, a really, really well done video uh, to kick us off with, produced again by our, uh, our own video team. So let's go ahead and roll the video. Thanks for meeting us. Oh, no problem. I'm, That's uh, why I'm here. Mark, and this is my wife, Kim. Nice to meet you. And please call me Dave. Hey, Dave. So tell me uh, a little bit about what brings you here today. Well, we've been married about 12 months. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, marriage just hasn't really been what we thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, we're in love. Yeah. We're totally in love, but uh, the marriage itself, it just doesn't look like what we thought it was supposed to look like. Actually, that's that's really common for newlyweds. So tell me, did you get premarital counseling? No. No, we didn't have that. Any prior Christian teaching about marriage and what's involved? Um, we, we, no. Did you even talk to anybody about your decision to get married? No. No. You must have had some idea about marriage before you decided to do it. So, where did you get your information? We saw the commercial. You saw the commercial? We saw the commercial. You saw the commercial. Do you want sincere happiness forever? Do you desire a perfect life? Well, have you ever considered marriage? Statistics show that getting married actually leads to a happier, more fulfilling life. If you're a man, you will be fed heartily, respected completely, obeyed promptly, and have all the TV time you could want. If you're a woman, your opinions will be heard, he'll take the kids out so you can have alone time, and nine out of ten women feel deep, true significance. All of this could be yours with a simple I do, and a signature on a legal document that can be altered at any point. 
If you feel like having a complete, satisfying life, all you have to do is find that special someone, or anyone really. And this truly is a risk-free offer. If you don't like it, just cancel it. But we are sure that it won't come to that. For the life you've been waiting for, just say, I do. So what I'm hearing is, you guys went into this marriage not understanding that marriage is a covenant between you and God. And that he will hold you accountable for how you do it. And that he set boundaries to help you be successful in marriage. And that even society and the economy would benefit if you have a healthy marriage? No. Uh, not exactly. I see. Well, the good news is, if you're willing to learn and try, there is hope. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that was good. I think perhaps if you didn't recognize those that were involved in the commercial, you might have thought that it was a clip from Oprah or Dr. Phil or one of those shows because our society today really does, I think, have uh, a slanted and indeed unhealthy idea of what marriage is. You know, as they said in the commercial, well, if you don't like it, quit. Sure, there's some fine print in the contract, but, you know, that's really where society is today, uh, that uh, failed marriage is almost expected. Uh, people get into marriage thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, and I'm certain that we've all uh, known somebody like that. Hopefully we haven't said that ourselves, but our culture didn't get the way it was overnight. Uh, our culture doesn't understand and doesn't really care what the Bible says when it comes to talking about marriage and sex. And a lot of this started back in the 60s, <clears throat> uh, Back during my teenage years, uh, you know, specifically 1967, saw the coming of the summer of love. And you saw the old uh, film clips of the people at the, the hippies at the corner of Haight and Ashbury Street and uh, San Francisco. And uh, the whole idea, the whole concept was one of free love that we wanted to be against the establishment. Anything the man said, which is what in, in the day we called the establishment, the man, we didn't want to have any part of. Uh, and so we tried to sever our ties with the cultures upon which our country was really built. You know, the idea of a moral code uh, that stem from the Bible. The, you know, the key tenets of this cultural wave of free love were, uh, you know, sentences like, we don't need a piece of paper to tell people and to show that we love each other. 
what business is it of, of anybody what we do uh, on our own private time? Why should I have to be forced to go through this whole legal mumbo-jumbo just to satisfy the man when, as they said, we love each other. Everything will be fine. You know, they're sitting before a marriage counselor and twice, twice the husband emphasized, but we love each other, but we love each other. While love is important and love is critical, we'll find that love is not always the most important ingredient in a successful marriage. Our culture really says over and over again, well, we're married in the eyes of God. And really it's just, and we'll talk about this in a lot of detail later, it's just really a cop-out. Romans 13.1 tells us the authorities that exist have been established by God. God established the establishment. And as Christ followers, it's really up to us to understand what that means and to embrace really what that means because we'll find that the idea of a marriage license isn't just a legalistic notion. That license symbolizes a contract. That license symbolizes a very deep commitment. The commitment of marriage is so important that over the, probably the last three decades, many, many studies uh, have been done that show there's a significant difference, uh, for instance, in terms of the health of people who are married. If a man has heart disease, if he's unmarried, he will statistically die within six years. If he's married, he will statistically die within 10 years. Women have a 50% higher mortality rate of uh, women who are unmarried than married, you know, in terms of um, dying before uh, you would expect a normal lifespan uh, to go. So health is a big determinant uh, based on marriage. A survey of 14,000 people said that uh, pretty conclusively that married people are happier than people who perhaps are living together or are cohabitating. There's some other interesting facts about the benefits of this piece of paper, about the benefits of committed uh, marriage, particularly over living together. There are about five and a half million couples today living together. Of those five and a half million, based on statistics, 80% of those relationships will fail. 80% will fail. When a couple has cohabitated and then gotten married, 50% of those marriages will fail within a period of 10 years. If a couple gets married without having cohabitated or lived together 
before, that 50% is reduced to 30%. So even with, uh, you know, our society and our culture really promotes cohabitation or living together, they want us to well, try it out, see if you are compatible, see if everything is going to work out. <clears throat> and you get into a relationship knowing that there's an out, and so often you take it. As you can see, the notion that living together is a bellwether or a test of whether a marriage is going to be successful, it just isn't true. We don't need marriages of compatibility. That we like each other. We seem to get along. There's a spark there. I think that maybe at some point in time something's going to grow from this. That would be a marriage of compatibility. Or marriages of convenience. And in, in days like this when uh, people are losing their jobs and people are losing houses and uh, the stock market is just, you know, lost 50 or 60% of its value, people might cohabitate with the, the stated reason, not the real reason, but the stated reason, well, you know, two can cheap, live more cheap, cheaply than one, and, you know, two incomes will help us pay the, the mortgage payment or pay the rent and will help pay food, and our lifestyle will be ready, will be better. Our society is really satisfied with these marriages of compatibility and convenience. What we need are marriages that are based on commitment, not compatibility, not convenience. Marriage has a high value to each person in the marriage and to society as a whole. We're going to spend some time in a few minutes talking about why strong marriages not just benefit the the family, but benefit the whole of society. As far as Scripture is concerned, God wants marriage itself to be honored. Hebrews 13.4 tells us, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Why is God so concerned that marriage be honored? Why does he, you know, even care about it? Well, it's part of his design. It's the way he's made life. It's the way he's made man and women to work together. If we ignore how God designed us, if we go our own way, then not only will we pay the price, but society will pay the price as well. Our relationship with God is a covenant relationship. What do I mean by covenant relationship? A covenant is a contract between two parties, or at least two parties, that's been witnessed by God in this particular case. And we know that our relationship with God is that of a covenant or a contract because of what we read in the second chapter of Genesis. Now, uh, Randy's been talking about this sort of over and over throughout the series. God created Adam, and then from Adam, God 
created Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden. And essentially they had free reign. Do anything that you want. Go anywhere that you want. Have anything that you want. Except for one thing. There's a tree in the center of the garden. And I think God put it in the center of the garden for a reason. It wasn't on the outskirts someplace where they wouldn't see it. It was you know, probably right where they walked all the time. This particular tree you need to stay away from. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can do anything else that you want. Don't eat from the tree. Well, what did they do? We don't know how much time passed, but they ate from the tree. Man broke his first contract with God. What was the contract? What are the provisions of the contract? Well, God said, do anything, go anywhere, except for this. Man said, okay. Man broke the contract. And since man broke that contract, mankind has been paying for it ever since. Marriage is a personal choice that impacts the public at large in a very big way, in a, marriage, in a major way. Our country was built on particular principles, and those principles, whether we want to admit it or not, were largely based on the moral standards and the moral absolutes that our founding fathers found in the Bible. In our country, when you get married, you go and you get your marriage license before you have the, the public ceremony at which you share your vows. Now, um, back almost 30 years ago now, in fact, it, it has been 30 years ago, <coughs> excuse me, when uh, Jennifer and I became engaged um, while students at, uh, at Cal Baptist. Uh, in, in those days, the girls lived in one dorm and the guys lived in the other dorm and there were apartments and cottages and, and things like that. And if you wanted to get the attention of your girlfriend in this particular case, and she didn't happen to live on the first floor, then you had to go and throw something at her window and get her attention. Well, uh, we dated all through college. We dated for four years. And the the habit that I got into was when I wanted to, to see Jennifer, I would throw a penny at the window. And, and you know, and this one on and on and on uh, throughout our uh, our college years. And as we became engaged and as the time for our wedding uh, came close, we were uh, getting ready to drive to the county office to buy our, our marriage license. And unbeknownst to me, Jennifer had saved all of those pennies. And with, I guess she had things in mind before, I, I don't know. She tells me she stalked me. I can only wish it was it, that was the case. But uh, with that money, with those pennies, we went down to the courthouse and we uh, purchased our uh, wedding license. And and the only responsibility I had was to I didn't have to bring any money, just bring some paperwork to prove who that I essentially was who I said I was and. I didn't have it, and so 
we took this blank, sad marriage license and had to go stand in front of a judge. And this judge was a, a family law judge. And he told us, me in particular, in no uncertain terms, I don't want to see you back here in my court. You know, and obviously that really uh, stayed with me. Somebody after the first service had asked, well, how many pennies were there? And we were talking between services, and we estimate there were somewhere over 3,000 pennies. And so that will probably tell you how much time I spent trying to get her attention when I probably should have been doing other things. But it's important to understand that that license is more than just a piece of paper. We'll talk about that as we we continue uh, through this morning. A society is built on the strength of its agreements and our ability to trust them. Proverbs 29.4 gives us an example of a time when that really wasn't the case. By justice, a king brings stability to the land, but the man who demands, in quotes, contributions, demolishes it. You have a king or the ruler who is trying to bring justice by having stability in the land, and then you have people on the other side taking bribes, probably people who work for him, taking bribes, circumventing the system, thereby breaking down the stability that, uh, that was there, that was implied by the justice. If you break a legally binding contract, there are consequences. Sometimes those consequences take a while uh, to materialize, but there are consequences. We enter into con- contracts because... We at least have the platform to trust that person with whom we're entering into a contract. Arguably, if we don't, we're not going to enter into that contract. If we contract to purchase a home, the seller trusts that we'll be able to live up to our end of the bargain. As we trust, the seller will be able to end up to their end of the bargain. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have regard for the consequences of breaking contracts. Probably the best uh, current day example is uh, good old Mr. Madoff of New York City, who made off with, uh, we thought, $50 billion, but now it's about $65 billion entering into contracts with charitable, uh, charitable uh, organizations, with friends that he knew, knowing full well that he wasn't going to be able to at some point in time fulfill those. There are consequences. Uh, unfortunately, those who invested in him probably won't see their money back, but uh, to the excitement of, of many of those, Mr. Madoff has now started serving his prison jail, their sentence. Why does the government really even care? about a private decision that I make to, to decide to love somebody and marry somebody and spend the rest of my life loving and honoring and cherishing them. Well, they don't really care about that. What they care about is what that love produces. What does the love produce? It produces households. 
and households are the single largest economic building block in our society. This piece of paper, this marriage license, is important because it's in that way, in many respects, our society protects its most important building block, the family. That piece of paper, that that marriage license, is the extra glue necessary for our union. This contract adds the element of responsibility to the equation. You can't just change your mind without there being consequences. We've learned a bunch of lessons, I think, as we go through this economic crisis. Uh, We've learned that the decisions of others sometimes adversely affect us, Uh, the way a bank has decided to make mortgage loans. the way a company has divided, or decided to invest their 401k. Uh, you know, I know as I look at my 401k today, I'm glad that I don't need it at the moment uh, because it's just sort of a fraction of what it used to be. Marriage contract doesn't keep things from collapse, but it does make it more difficult. And as marriage is steady, as marriage... Uh, marriages stay together, we're we're really a a far more stable society. People are fully integrated systems, as is society, a fully integrated system. So government really does, if you think about it, doesn't have an opinion or doesn't have a say in marriage, but it does have a stake in marriage, because you know history has proven over and over again that as the family goes, so goes society. That little piece of paper, that marriage license, brings protection to everybody that's involved. God honors marriage by acting as a witness. Malachi chapter two, verses thirteen through fifteen. Your wedding has witnesses. You, you might have a best man, you might have a maid of honor or a matron of honor. Those witnesses uh, actually sign your wedding license to, to prove that they were there and they saw you getting married. But more importantly, your wedding is witnessed by the most important witness, and that witness is God himself. And in fact, many wedding ceremonies include the, the, the phrase, we're doing this in the sight of God and man. So as we say, and we think about saying our wedding vows, we can't take that lightly. Malachi was a prophet to the nation Israel who was chosen by God to speak to the restored nation. Uh, when Malachi was alive and when Malachi was God's prophet, Israel was a reconstituted or a reborn nation. Not a hundred years before, the kingdom of Judah had fallen captive to Babylon. Uh, And uh, for a period, 
of about 86 years, they were in captivity. And the reason that they were taken over by Babylon was because of the failure of the family. They went away from their family values. They began to do what was right in their own eyes. As you read the Old Testament, you'll see that phrase over and over again. They did what was right in their own eyes. They became weak. God removed his protection. God removed his hand from them. And they were captured. Well, now God saw fit through their repentance to let them go and reestablish their kingdom. But less than two generations later, they already find themselves back in the same situation they were in that got them in trouble before. Malachi 2, 13 through 15 says, Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altars with, uh, altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention uh, to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit. They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. This passage uncovers some marriage realities that God always remembers. The first is the permanence of the marriage vow. The verse above says, you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. God steps in and acts as a witness between husband and wife uh, in this marriage covenant. The Hebrew word translated covenant or contract is ud. And what it really means, literally, is to repeat. God repeats back to us exactly what we've promised. You ever been reminded of a promise that you didn't keep? Have you ever reminded somebody of a promise that was made to you that wasn't kept? It doesn't feel great. It's amazing how good our memories are when we're thinking about promises that were broken to us. God remembers our promises. God remembers our vows even when we try to put them out of our memory. Even then when we try to, to make those memories fade. If we go back on our word to God, as we've seen in these verses, then God will treat our words to him, just as we treat our words to our spouse or our spouse's words to us. To witness, again, is to repeat. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You pay a price for breaking faith with your spouse especially husbands who have been given the whole responsibility for the marriage. The act of marriage makes us one. Verse 15 tells us, Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. God has commanded sex to stay inside the boundaries of marriage. 
Like all other boundaries, we pay a huge price if we choose to bust out of those boundaries. If we fail and we go with another, a piece of ourselves stays with that other person. We don't ever get that piece back. If we do that over and over and over again, we continue to lose pieces of ourselves until our lives really are shattered. They're fragmented. When we've broken faith with our spouse, it's like breaking ourselves in two. The marriage covenant has been compromised, it's been broken, and there will be consequences. <clears throat> but we serve a God who forgives. We serve a God who forgives, and there is the opportunity for forgiveness. But unfortunately, even with forgiveness come consequences. And the consequences are not only the offender, but the family of those uh, who are affected by that as well. One purpose of marriage is to raise godly offspring. Why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. We've already talked about the impact on society when, when, when marriage is not honored. When the marriage contract is ignored, this uncertainty has an effect on our children, which is much more devastating. If the stability and security of households stabilize our nation, then isn't it true that the stability of our kids are really crucial to stabilizing our households? God wants us to produce godly Offspring and a man and a woman committed to God, committed to each other by this marriage contract won't always produce godly offspring. There's not that promise, but they have a far larger likelihood of producing godly offspring than in another situation. Troubled homes make for troubled children. Troubled children make troubled adults. Today in California and across the country, our prisons are filled with, with people from broken homes. Uh, statistics show that, you know, somewhere, you know, probably north of 85% of people who are in prison today are the result of broken homes. Unfortunately, godly, godliness is no longer a high value in our society. Crime is an unfortunate consequence of a broken marriage vow between a man or a woman, or, more, or no, no marriage vow at all, choosing not even to get married. This is why God is so upset with the men in this passage. He's seeking godly offspring. Remember, the shape of the marriage is the man's responsibility, ultimately. It takes two to make a, a, a marriage but the man will be judged by God on how he did that. God does not allow us to follow Adam's example uh, and blame our wives for our problems. Guys, if our marriage isn't working, it's up to us to deal with it. God gives us the responsibility. Whether we feel 
we're right or we're wrong, whether we feel that we're the slighted party or not, God has made it our responsibility to make sure that this relationship is mended. And guys, so let me tell you, man up. Man up, live up to your responsibility. Godly offspring are best developed in a home where both mom and dad are working together in a way that stabilizes the home. God created Eve for Adam, a helpmate. Uh, remember Randy was talking about the whole idea of opposite counterpart. It takes a man and a woman to make a baby. It takes a man and a woman to make a marriage. We cannot, as a culture, redefine what God has set in place and expect not to pay the consequence for it. Redefining marriage will make our society unravel. This has happened over and over and over again in history. Every major empire that ever has been that's fallen, a major reason that it's fallen has been the state of the family, the disintegration of the family, the fact that there are no family values, that each individual is out for self-gratification and for himself. And it's been true over and over and over again in history. God's given each of us the opportunity, the free will to make our choices, but our choices result in in consequences when we bust through these boundaries that God has set up for us. But even when we've failed... We serve a God that will forgive us. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is never too late to redeem a broken marriage contract. Men, it's our responsibility to make sure that happens. Marriage license is an important piece of paper but it's much more. It represents a vow made before the living God. It represents a private decision that makes an impact on our entire culture. Marriage is honored by God, and he wants us to do the same. If you look on your connection card, we've got some next steps uh, that we were recommending. Uh, one, Take time to soak in the words of Hebrews 13.4 and Malachi 2 this week. Read those over and over again until they really become ingrained in you. Or you might rent the movie Fireproof this week. Watch it with your spouse. There's a real story and a message in it. And the third thing that I'm just sort of adding free of charge, for those of you who are married, go home and watch your marriage video. Watch your wedding video. Listen to what you said at those times. For those of us who were married before videos, listen to your cassette. (laughs) If our culture is to survive, we need to take seriously this contract of marriage. You join me in prayer. Father, thanks so much for this day. Uh, Thank you that you are a witness to our marriages, to our relationships, and thank you that you do hold us accountable. Father, um, help us as men to be strong. Help us to do what you've charged us to do. Help us to take responsibility for our families. Uh, Help us to remember that 
our marriage vows were not just to be taken into lightly, but need to be really taken seriously, Father, that all might go well, not only with ourselves and with our families, but with our nation. In your name we pray. Amen.